Well, hello everyone. Uh, thanks for joining me today. Uh, my name is Melvin Gaines. I'm with Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio, uh, presenting the message for this Sunday, September the 19th. I uh, hope that you get something out of it and that the, the Lord, through the power of the Holy Spirit, speaks directly to you about what about is about to be imparted. I just thank you again for being here. Uh, let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence, first and foremost. We thank you for how you, uh, where more than two are gathered, you are always present. And Lord, we just thank you for being here uh, with us. Where Lord, we want to hear your wisdom right now. We want to hear you speak to us. And we want to be able to take what is being said and impart it to others as well, too, and speak to them about truth. Lord, you are truth. You represent truth. Your word always represents truth to us. And Lord, may we always move towards truth rather than towards lies or falsehoods or half-truths. We want to be completely true with you right now. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your teaching. We ask that you bless us and we give you all thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I fill in for our beloved pastor this week, I recall words that I have used during my spring break seminars that will have application for this particular message. I am not the pastor. Those are the words I used. Now, it's a disclaimer, and it has to do with subjects for messages that some people, not including our pastor, by the way, may shy away from because it can turn off or offend a church audience. I am using these words to give you a heads up in addressing a topic that does not often get discussed during a Sunday morning message. It is about the subject of giving. Giving. Now, for greater understanding, I'm gonna define what giving represents. It ultimately refers to you giving something without the expectation that someone will give you something in return. That's what true giving really is. Your expectation of receiving something is not to be a factor in how you give. Our human nature is always gonna to try to convince us that we give with conditions and expectations. Now, as I wrote this message, my imagination was going crazy. I have to admit it. Images of Richard Pryor dressed as a rich televangelist with an entourage of people around him as he was asking for generous giving, or even the Reverend Flip Wilson chastising members of the church of what's happening now because they weren't giving enough. Or, as a real-life example, uh, the dreaded passing around of the collection plate through the congregation more than once. You probably know that many people view the church very poorly because of real stories or parodies of churches and church leaders getting rich off of the very people that support it. It is descriptive of a very unhealthy church and a very unhealthy church relationship. And it is a real hindrance to those who are skeptical of getting involved with churches in the first place. Satan takes great pleasure when this occurs. 
When it comes to giving, many people assume that it is referring to tithes and offerings. Now, I believe that pastors have tried to encourage the importance of giving in church, and they refer to examples in Scripture, including Abram giving a tenth of his proceeds to Melchizedek, which you would find in Genesis 14.20, or other examples in the Old Testament, or even during the forming of the very first church in Acts chapter 2, verse 45. Well, unfortunately, I don't think many people today really want to hear about how much they need to give to the church. The refusal to give, as if it is a requirement of some sort, is met with a lot of excuses. And some of them, understandably, are based upon mistrust of the church. The person who makes these excuses needs to examine the motivation behind them. Is it mistrust or is it merely projection to divert the focus elsewhere? If you are thinking in this manner, I'm going to ask that you proceed with caution. We often make excuses and accusations well outside of the arena of humility. Please turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to take a look at verses 3 through 5. Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5. Now we're going to look at the Christian Standard Bible version, and you may recognize the Matthew chapter 7 part. Uh, this is the section where you'll re be reading. You would be reading normally about asking, seeking, and knocking. But let's take a look at these three verses, though, and look at what is actually being said when it comes to how we need to look beyond ourselves, frankly, but not in such a way where we're forgetting about who we are. Matthew chapter seven, verses three through five. And these words from Jesus are very appropriate for many of us. Verse 3, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye? And that's going to be referring to the church itself. But don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye. Verse 4, or how can you say to your brother, let me take that splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye. And then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. We, of course, recognize here, and what we should be seeing here is that no one is perfect. Churches aren't perfect. People certainly aren't perfect. We all have ways of making accusations, and some of them are quite valid. But be very careful when you do that, because ultimately what it means is that rather than making excuses about why you can't do something, perhaps we need to look at why you really should do something. Now, the subject of giving can go in a number of different directions. But for today's review, we're going to make sure that it goes to a place in the manner as God empowered Ezekiel. Uh, if you were reading Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, when he was empowered to speak to the people of Israel, where if you were to eat the scroll of God's word, it will taste as sweet as honey. And that's what I hope we get out of this lesson here today. Now, I understand that not everyone will accept or buy into this message, 
about giving for reasons we will discuss later. But as I proceed here, I ask that you have an open mind on this. In the words of the music group in Vogue, free your mind and the rest will follow. And remember that while I'm not the pastor, the words I'm about to share are supported by God's holy word. So fasten your seatbelts, everyone. It's time to explore some truths here about giving. Now first, we need to consider that giving is not always about money. We tend to group it into that category, but it's not always about money. As we review this in greater detail, please ask yourself this question. What causes a person to hold back and really go all in for Jesus Christ? Ask that question about yourself. What causes a person to hold back? What keeps them from going all in for the cause of Christ? Now, this hesitation or resistance to even hearing such a message is more about an issue of having a lack of understanding about a sincere and even healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Until a person makes the connection that giving of any sort in the church, whether it is time or money or your talents, has more to do with a willingness to serve Jesus Christ because of who he is within the relationship. Many people are looking for Jesus Christ as someone who can do something for them. For example, Lord bless me and I can give you more in return or something like that. As if it were a quid pro quo type of thing. There will be people who will give because they love the Lord and will hold nothing back. And there will be people who go through the motions in order to earn what they believe will be God's brownie points. Either way, God will use the giving efforts for his glory. It still will come down to the heart of a person who really sees Jesus and wants to live for him. Without this, we will still have a lot of people who will continue to foster unhealthy relationships with Jesus. Another word of caution here, unhealthy relationships with Jesus Christ are often rooted in disobedience and wickedness. And both of these have dire consequences. Take a look with me, please, at Psalm 37. And we're going to look at a couple of series of verses here. Psalm 37, we're going to look at verses 16 through 19. And then we're going to look at verses 21 and 22. So Psalm 37, and we'll start at verse 16. And then look at 16 through 19 and then 21 and 22. Again, this is the Christian Standard Bible Version. Verse 16. The little that the righteous person has... The little that the righteous person has is better than the abundance of many wicked people. Verse 17, for the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord supports the righteous. 
The Lord watches over the blameless all their days, and their inheritance will last forever. Verse 19, they will not be disgraced in times of adversity. They will be satisfied in days of hunger. Now drop down to verse 21. The wicked person borrows and does not repay, but the righteous one is gracious, gracious and giving. Those who are blessed by the Lord will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will be destroyed. So we've heard a lot of notices here of peril for those who choose to be disobedient or have unhealthy relationships with Jesus. Understand something. It's very important for us to recognize a healthy relationship in Jesus Christ should compel you to want to do more for his kingdom, not less. So let's take a fresh look at this with the encouraging words of Scripture that gives us the valuable truth that it is truly better to give than to receive. And once again, it's not just about giving money. Paul makes the best statement that I can find to describe the proper attitude for every believer in Jesus Christ. And that can be found in Acts chapter 20, uh, verses 32 through 35. Go to Acts 20, and let's take a look at verses 32 through 35. Acts 20, verses 32 through 35. Now this is the English Standard Version. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. Verse 34, you yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way, I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now let's take a look at Paul's words here and make sure that we give it the proper context. He's giving you the proper context as to what it really means to truly give and give with sincerity. Don't just isolate verse 35 here as the compelling reason to give, because that is insufficient in itself when you look at everything he's saying here. Note that he is making it clear that it is more about giving of yourself as you work with others. And if you have the means to do so, help others along the way who are less fortunate. Do you get that? And who are these less fortunate? Whoever you run across that are in need. Give them shoes and clothing. Give them a helping hand. Give them words of encouragement. Give them your time without distractions. Just give of yourself. Giving of yourself 
is the natural response as you develop a healthy, growing relationship in Jesus Christ through your sanctification process in the Holy Spirit. It is an act of love, as described by Paul, as one of the fruits of the Spirit. And where do we get those fruits of the Spirit from? It's in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5.22. And that's the Spirit of love. That's where it all starts. Loving one another. The Holy Spirit gives you sensitivity to those around you who are in need. Rest assured, there are people in need who are not looking for a handout, but merely a helping hand or acts of kindness. Hebrews 13, 16. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And that's where I want to be. And I would hope that's where you want to be. Pleasing God. Giving is not about just the law or grace, net or gross, duty or devotion. The ultimate reason for giving is that giving reflects the character and nature of God. Of course, we remember the verse, God so loved the world that he gave his son. And the son of man did not come to be served, but to, be, to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's from John 3.16 and Matthew 20.28. 20, God is a giver. It is God's character and nature to give. When we give as God gives, our lives reflect God's character. For everything that God has given to us, including salvation and grace because of his love for us, we are to look unselfishly at how we can serve him as we consider how we are to give our gifts to others. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll take a look at verses 6 and 7. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. Now, this is uh, from the New Living Translation. Verse 6. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Verse 7, you must decide, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, that's a universal statement for anyone, whether you have a lot or a little. We can see how church giving is adversely affected by a person's lackadaisical approach about money and stewardship, let alone substantial indebtedness. It's interesting to see how God leaves it up to the person as to how much to give. There's no pressure coming from him over it. We're the ones that make it more difficult than it needs to be. 
if following Jesus Christ is truly a light and easy burden, as he proclaims himself in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, then we need to be faithful that his words are true. We need to believe what he says. He means what he says. Now let's pivot back to the giving of money for just a moment. I wasn't avoiding the issue. There are valid points to be made here and practical ways to address this. It is idolatry that affects and impacts how we view stewardship. If being a good steward is in any way a wrestling match from within, then we lack understanding about the reason why we are to be good stewards. It would hardly be an issue if we search deep within our hearts to extract anything that would give us the wrong motivation behind serving Jesus Christ. Author Timothy Keller made a note in the book Counterfeit Gods. Idolatry is the reason we never do anything wrong. A lack of stewardship also conveys tendencies of, dare I say it, laziness. Proverbs addresses those who are lazy too. Go to Proverbs 13:4. Proverbs 13 verse 4. And no one wants to be called lazy, do they? But the evidence if it shows you to be that way, there's not much you can do about it other than try to fix that as an issue. Proverbs 13.4 says in the ESV version, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. A good steward plans out what he or she can do with the understanding that God will use it as he sees fit, and that there is a willingness to do so as a means of glorifying him. Again, this is whether you have a little or a lot. Makes no difference. Some people have a heart problem over this issue and blame it on the church. Just taking my money. That's exactly how they might say it, too. Or by making an excuse to say that God doesn't need the money. Well, no, God doesn't need the money. But it's not going to change the fact that these responses could not be more self-centered and self-serving and unchristlike. Rather than taking the unnecessary responsibility of being accountable for someone else's actions as if you really were concerned about what the church was really doing with this money in the first place, let's start with personal accountability and let Jesus take care of the rest. Personal accountability. Now, I learned that if I wanted to be a better representative for Jesus Christ, I needed to take care of my own finances, my own business. If we make it a point to watch what we eat and make better nutrition choices for our health, in the same way we need to make better choices with how we handle our money. The choices in front of me were quite simple. Pay down debt. Consolidate what is owed with offers to pay as little as zero interest for 12 to 18 months. 
do what you need to do to raise your credit score, which also has a positive impact in paying lower interest rates. Tighten your belt with your spending and watch how God affirms your ability to do more and more over time. Now, this is just a snapshot of how to be personally responsible over your ability to be a better steward. What you'll find is that you will be able to give greater offerings as God honors your efforts to be to better manage your finances. Your spirit of giving needs to come without any selfishness or excuses. It needs to be fortified with humility and buoyed by the presence of Jesus Christ through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Here is a fact that's going to prove itself in many ways over time. As you honor God, he will indeed honor you. It starts with your love and desire to please God as you fulfill your calling before him. Be gracious and hospitable to others, whether they are believers or not. And God will provide you with strength and encouragement as you go. Jesus gave us these helpful words of wisdom that we can pray and meditate over. And it's a, a relatively long passage, but let's take a look at it because there's a lot here to just digest and, as I had mentioned, pray about and meditate over. Go to Luke chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 27 through 36, and then again at verse 38. Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36, and then verse 38. And when you look at this verse, all the self-centeredness and all of the egotism when it comes to just not wanting to give, when clearly there is a need, it all gets wiped away when you look at this passage and recognize that it's a humble person that gives and doesn't expect anything in return. Verse 27 but I say to you, this is a Christian Standard Bible version. But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Verse 29. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Verse 30, give to everyone who asks you, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Verse 34. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. 
But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend, lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. And then verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Giving without expecting anything in return. Giving to people who probably don't even like you. And yet there is a response that Jesus gives you immediately. You'll have a great reward. You'll be children of the Most High, the Most High God. You show mercy as your Father shows mercy and give. True giving is built upon the confidence of one's relationship with Jesus Christ. There is an understanding that in spite of one's imperfection, Christ is the perfection. With the knowledge of his ongoing presence, a person can live without concerns over temporal things, such as money or possessions. A good steward recognizes that everything comes from him in the first place. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your teaching. We thank you for teaching us about what it really truly means to give. And Lord, we just pray to stop making excuses about what we can do or who we can impress. It's not about impressing anyone about what we do or contribute to you. Lord, we just want to thank you for what you have done for us. Before there's been any collection plates passed around, you did so much for us. And you continue to do things for us. We could never repay that anyway. But we thank you, Lord, for your teaching about the proper attitude that we need to have about giving. Lord, we don't want to make excuses. We just want to love you and be obedient to your word. And Lord, thank you for compelling us to remember others in this whole situation. Lord, we know there are people out there who are in need. We know there are people present who truly don't want to ask for a handout. And Lord, that's going to be their issue with you. But ultimately, we need to give. If we see an opportunity, we need to give to those people. We need to give them words of encouragement. We need to stand behind how we feel about you by our actions. Lord, we know also, too, it's important for us to make sure we take care of our own responsibilities. Take care of our bills. But always keep in mind that you challenge us to do a little bit more for the kingdom. Do a little bit more in faith. A little bit more in trusting you as we learn more about you and learn to love you more and more as you have loved us. Thank you for your teaching. 
Thank you for helping us to move in the proper direction when it comes to our attitude. Lord, we don't want to be stingy or misers. We want to be giving, not just when it comes to money, but with our attitudes, with our actions, with our donations, those things that we have no need of and others do. Help us to be mindful of those things and contribute. We thank you, Lord, for choosing us. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the desire to be faithful to you and be a faithful member of your kingdom. Bless us and keep us, O Lord. We thank you for your provision as well. We thank you for your talents and gifts and what you have done for us to help others. And we give you praise and thanks for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for being here today. God bless you all. You take care of yourselves. We hope that this message meets you right where you are. And it gives you a reminder that we're all members of God's kingdom, but we're also contributing members of the kingdom. He gives us the ability to serve him and to help others. Be mindful of that going forward. Thanks so much. Take care of yourself. We'll see you next time.